Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food businesses about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I am talking with Mallory Dyes. Mallory lives in Stafford, Virginia, and sells gourmet cookie sandwiches with her cottage food business, The Crassy Cookie. I'm personally excited to have Mallory on the show because she started by selling basic drop cookies like chocolate chip cookies, which is what I initially wanted to do with my cottage food business. I found a basic cookie business challenging for many reasons, and typically I recommend against starting one, but Mallory found a way to make it work well for her, and it's led to her focus on cookie sandwiches. So let's dive in and figure out how she did it. Welcome to the show, Mallory. Nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Mallory, can you take us back? When did you start this business and, and just what, what led to you getting it off the ground? So I began the Crafty Cookie in the first week of March of 2018. I was working at a preschool teaching pre-K and I was very burnt out and tired from my job. And I just came home one night and I decided I was done. And so my boyfriend, who's my husband now, he just said, well, what would you do? And I said, I just want to do something that I enjoy. And I I love baking. I want to bake cookies. And so that's kind of what happened. I gave my notice and that was that. And so like, what did it take to, to start selling the cookies? Did you just go ahead and start selling to the family and friends or did you try to go out and get um, licensed or anything like that? So I mean, I left my preschool classroom and I went part-time as a nanny And during my free time, I just started a Facebook page. I set up my Instagram and I just decided I was going to bake the cookies that my family enjoys the most. And I started from there. And so neighbors found out, friends of friends found out, and they started to buy first. All of our family's out of state. So we just kind of relied on neighbors and old coworkers and friends. And it kind of went from there. Okay, so you're you're focusing on the people around you locally, which is awesome. I I think that's one of the best ways to start. And what kind of cookies were you selling? So what I I started out with my first cookie, which was a chocolate chip cookie um, in a variety of flavors, which is now known as the darn good chocolate chip cookie. And those sold really well. And then I had an oatmeal cookie and some shortbread And then what really took off was this banana cream pecan cookie sandwich I had. Everyone uh, raved about it and they started wanting to, you know, buy more of it. And I'd have repeat customers. I'm like, wow, this cookie sandwich is really, you know, doing well and people love it. And so that's kind of how it got uh, going on cookie sandwiches. How long did it take for you to start selling the cookie sandwiches? You said it started in March of 2018, right? Part-time? Yes. And I, well, I would say it took a few months to get a hand-selected, like customers in my neighborhood were regularly, regularly coming around. I, they didn't, I would say it was very slow at first. And then we actually relocated. We bought our house in Stafford. We were in Alexandria, Virginia at the time. So just when it had kind of picked up, we decided to move. So that kind of threw a wrench in there for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Cause you had to relocate and get another customer base. Um, and so what do you mean by slow? I would say like, I was probably getting one to three orders a month on average for the first six to 10 months, but then sporadically, like really great opportunities would come in with that. So 
I wasn't getting consistent orders, but then someone would ask me like, you know, can you bake for my bridal shower? Can you, uh, you know, bake for my son's graduation party? And so I wasn't getting a bunch of numbers like I might be getting now consistently, but I was getting like big orders. So it started to kind of catch up on its own. Okay. So it was really slow and needed to be part-time at first. Yes. Yeah. And what were the size? Because you were just selling the drop cookies at first. What were the size of the cookies you were selling? And what price? Oh, I would say that um, the the cookie, the chocolate chip cookies that I originally had were probably about three to three and a half inches um, in diameter. They were probably like $12 a dozen, which is considered low around here. And I still have those and I do offer those on my menu, but I've just, I charge different prices for them now and they're much bigger. Like how much bigger? Probably, probably like two to three inches more. They're bakery size. They're, they're probably the equivalent of four servings per cookie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a large cookie for sure. It's a big cookie. Yes. <laughs> and what do you charge for those now? Um, so the original flavor, which is just chocolate chips and white chocolate chips, are $15 per dozen. And then the red velvet and double chocolate cookies, and I can customize them. They're probably, you know, up to 20 to $21 per dozen. So I would still say it's fairly low for our area, but it's also competitive and reasonable to what my clientele, I would, I would say, would purchase. And how much are you, how, how many of these cookies are you making in one batch? One batch is 12 to 14 cookies. So one batch per dozen, I, one dozen per batch, I should say, sorry. Yeah. So, and then how long would you say that a batch takes you to make? Probably 20 to 25 minutes. Okay. Does that include cleanup? <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I, I would add it depends on what kind of day it is. Um, sometimes those specific orders can get very large, and sometimes it's just a quick batch for, you know, one customer. I'm asking about this because, you know, it's like with cookies, it's hard, right? Because if you're doing one batch and, like, your your prices aren't super high, in my opinion, and so it's just like that takes a good amount of time to create but i could see how if you have many dozen in an order then it would you know you could optimize it and do 20 25 minutes each and and just keep turning out the cookies yeah i would say that that's kind of how it goes more with my cookie sandwiches rather than my uh you know drop cookies that i do have yeah and so 12 dollars a dozen do you think that you should have charged more back when you were getting started Yes and no, because I see where my growth has been since I started three years ago. My packaging has improved. The taste has improved. The quality of the ingredients have improved. So for just starting out and really not knowing what I was doing, um, I guess you could say it was reasonably priced, but now I would price, I could probably price them even more, but also I know we live in a small town and so I also want to make things reasonable for my customers. 
Yeah, one thing I've talked about on my blog is just the perception issues with cookies, right? Because people go to the grocery store and they get them for like $5. Is that something that you've faced and, and felt the pressure on? Or is it, do people not really blink when they see the price of your cookies? Once in a while, I get people who are like, oh, that's way too high. I would never pay for that. But I do feel strongly that my prices are very reasonable. I could probably charge more if I'm honest, but they're reasonable. And so if they're, the prices aren't for you, there's, there's Costco, you know? Um, yeah, I would say your prices are extremely reasonable. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that later when we get into the cookie sandwiches. But your your trajectory obviously started out really slow, but can you give me an idea of like, you know, from when you started to today, like what was that growth curve looking like? Like when did you start to hit um, inflection points where your business started to gain momentum? Quite honestly, when the pandemic hit <laughs> back in March. Yeah, it's funny. I've heard of a lot of like baked good businesses in particular that did really well with this pandemic. So that's, it's just kind of interesting how, that, how it sort of jumpstarted some businesses in that way. Um, so what would you say your orders were looking like pre-pandemic versus maybe today? Um, pre-pandemic, probably like one to five orders a week. And now I would say I'm averaging at least seven to 12 orders a week. And like, what's the size of an order? It could vary. Some people uh, just want like a dozen of drop cookies and some will order, you know, I have a large colossal box package that I offer, which is a hundred cookies. Um, so sometimes it's that, it really varies. Can you think of like what an average would be? On average, I'm baking probably between 150 to 400 cookies a week. Okay. Yeah, that's quite that's quite a lot of cookies for sure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then I did see on your website that you're like booked through the end of the year for custom cookies. I am. Those are custom buttercream sugar cookies that I do for, you know, birthday parties and certain occasions. So, I have like a menu item, menu ordering and then I have custom orders. Sometimes that includes a cake, sometimes not. Yeah, well, we're sitting here in August, so that's quite a long time to be booked up through for a cookie business. So, congratulations! It is, thank you. But you do, you still, you do still take orders, right? But just your regular menu items, right? So, like cookie sandwiches, drop cookies, my sugar cookie rosettes, which are just kind of a signature uh, sugar cookie that I do. Right. So, yeah, does that kind of compass most of what you sell? Do you sell any other items? That's pretty much it. Occasionally I'll get someone asking if I can make a cake and that's very, that's A, if I'm in the mood for it and if I have time for it and B, depending on how much, you know, time I want to devote to a cake. Okay. So let's get back to your cookies and, and the cookie sandwiches in particular. Can you describe what, what is this cookie sandwich? So like I said, I started with the banana cream pecan recipe and I kind of just thought, you know, well, what if I could do this cookie, but in other flavors? And so that's kind of what I've done. And each cookie, it has the foundation of that banana cream pecan recipe, 
but certain things might change, you know, um, so my strawberry shortcake cookie sandwich that would have strawberries as opposed to banana in it. And so the measurements for certain ingredients are different in that, but I offer, I mean, you know, different flavors like chocolate, strawberry, lemon, blueberry, lemon, lavender. There's a sweet, sweet potato one, pumpkin. And are you adding flavors pretty regularly or do you, have you found your um, favorites? I have my favorites. I'm always thinking of new flavors to add. I kind of, I kind of look at what's selling and what's not. Um, there are flavors I've made that have been complete flops and, you know, just no one was interested in it. And there's some that like constantly get ordered and I'm like, you know, okay, I'll make it again. And in some that are just, you know, you wouldn't expect that people would like it. Like the blueberry lemon lavandula, you know, I, I didn't expect that to go as well as it has. And so that gets ordered quite frequently. Okay. And are there other flavors? Well, like what are, what are some of your best selling flavors? Um, my caramel mocha and which is a chocolate cookie with a mocha buttercream topped with a vanilla buttercream and caramel sauce, the strawberry shortcake, which is that's, that gets ordered a lot. And so that's just strawberry cookies with a strawberry buttercream. And then I roll it in crushed uh, sugar cookies. And then I drizzle it with a strawberry cream. That's very popular. Lemon poppy seed, choco fudge brownie, uh, rainbow chip is a big one. And today I just released my seasonal special, which is an apple crumble. It's half apple crisp, half apple pie inspired. And so far that's been uh, received really well. Okay, and then what about the other side of it, where you maybe have had some flavors that flopped? So I did um, a chocolate peppermint chip, and I'm not a peppermint person myself, but some people ordered it, but it wasn't really ordered enough, and I guess it just, not many people like peppermint, or maybe I just presented it wrong, I don't know, but that didn't go so well, and then I did do a Neapolitan one, and I just think not a lot of people are into that in terms of Neapolitan being in cookies rather than ice cream, I, I guess. Well, to give uh, people kind of an idea of what these cookies look like, I've seen them on your Facebook page and I, I think of them like kind of like a, a macaron mixed with a cupcake. <laughs> I don't know, like it's got that kind of uniqueness uh, and, and convenient packaging of a cupcake uh, but they're bigger than macarons, like a lot bigger. Um, what 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 are the size of the cookies? I, I know you you sell the drop cookies that are like huge, but what about the the sandwich cookies? The sandwich cookies are about two and a half inches in diameter, and they're probably about an inch or two high, depending on you know what's on top of it: ganache, dipped in chocolate, nuts, that sort of thing. And how many cookies are you making in a batch for these? Probably, depending on the recipe, between 18 and 24 cookies per batch. Okay. So just about two dozen. So again, you would need to make a, a whole batch just to get a dozen cookies. Cookie sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. And what are you pricing the cookie sandwiches at? Um, they typically start between 18 per dozen up to about $27 per dozen. And what's the, the price difference? 
I would say like between the ingredients that are being used. Um, so what would be an example of an $18 one versus a $27 one? Oh, okay. So the Crossfetti is very basic. And so that would be $18 per dozen, but a $27 one might have additional sprinkles on it, added uh, ingredients to it, depending on what people want. I've done, so like the Crossfetti, I've had like people request, you know, you know, crazy things like, can you do this Crossfetti and then dip it in this and then add these sprinkles And so I would tell them, like, I might have to add on more for that because, you know, some sprinkles can be very expensive. Well, I think of like $18 a dozen. I mean, that's a steal, right? You're getting 24 cookies plus filling. I I, I just, I actually am a little bit surprised at that pricing just because it's $1.50 per cookie sandwich, which actually seems pretty low to me. It is pretty low, um, but I have found, again, we live in a very small town, and so I had to, when I first started up here, I had to kind of figure out what would be most reasonable, and based on what I was seeing in, like, the community Facebook groups and what other bakers in our area were charging for something similar to what I'm doing, at least drop cookies, that seemed to be reasonable. I do have plans to increase my prices in 2021 now that I've gotten more consistent with orders and such. Have you actually tried to increase your prices? When I first came, I had started the cookie sandwiches while we were still living in our old town. And people were definitely more willing to pay more for them there, but we were right outside of D.C., And so moving here, a lot of people were like, no way, at my old prices. So I kind of changed, you know, my pricing a little bit to meet the needs of the neighborhood. But with that, of course, I've also changed ingredients and that sort of thing. So I guess that's kind of where the loss or gain would be. It brings up a good point because, you know, sometimes I think you need to educate your customers in some in some instances. And I understand that they might have balked at the price, but as you get to be more known in your area, you establish a reputation. I could definitely see a, a larger price. I mean, I'm thinking about a macaron business, which can charge like $30 per dozen. And, and it's a bit more complicated to make a macaron for sure. But um Still, the the size of that cookie is way smaller than what you're offering, and um, yet it has that kind of higher perceived value. So it, it's, I mean, if you're comparing to like bakery drop cookies and the prices there, I don't know. It's it's like different because you're offering a unique thing. You're offering this cookie sandwich, and are there really any bakeries that offer that type of thing in your area? No, and quite honestly, I don't know that many people do make cookie sandwiches in terms of it being like its own niche, like its own thing. Even like on Instagram and stuff, it's a very unique product, I think, that I've made, which has also, I think, helped me. In the beginning, it was very discouraging. So I'm like, how am I going to get people to buy these? But if you're the only person that does it, it becomes like unique and special. It can also uh, be a problem too, right? Because when you're doing something brand new that nobody's looking for, 
then they don't even know that they necessarily want to look for them. Uh, did you find it difficult to market it because it just wasn't on people's radar? You know, I really, like when it comes to marketing, I didn't really know what I was doing at first. So I would just kind of post the cookies and hope for the best. But then I realized, you know, these cookies need a description. They need to be explained. And so I would start describing the flavors and the ingredients used and that sort of thing. And people would be like, okay, well, I'm willing to try it. So they'd order like the safe flavors, like rainbow chip or strawberry shortcake. And then I'd throw a sample or two of the more oddball flavors in with their order. And then they would just keep coming back. Okay, so that's interesting. So you're actually adding a bonus to their order? Yes. I mean, nothing huge, but, you know, kind of like a a cookie here, a sample there type of thing. No, that's smart. I I haven't heard of someone doing that with the cookie business. So, like, did you start doing that from the get-go, or was that something you kind of discovered? Kind of something I thought to do. I think... And just from talking with other cookiers and bakers, I think a lot of people are afraid to kind of give away things for free. And it's scary because I know my prices are already pretty low, but I think that's how I've built a really great customer base. And I have tons of returning customers. I'm not afraid to add a little bit of value. And I think people like that, you know, I'll do a giveaway, not often, but I'll do a giveaway or I'll give free cookies away or a new sample of something. And I think people really like that. I did see the giveaways on your Facebook page, and I wanted to ask you about them. How, how are you structuring these giveaways, and what are you getting in return? So the recent giveaway I did was a cake. I did a cake away, and I made a Funfetti four-layer cake. It was a lot of fun to make, but I basically, I did it because I think everyone likes to win something, right? And it increases participation and engagement on my Facebook page. So if I can do that, more people will see what I'm making, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And at least the one I saw, you actually did like a survey? I did, yeah. So, well, I started, that was for the new seasonal special, which I'm doing now. I had kind of taken a poll, like apple pie or apple crisp. And what they, what people didn't realize is every time they commented, that was their entry into this giveaway for a free dozen of my cookies. So you didn't even tell people you were doing the giveaway. You just, you just asked for the survey. Right. And so my hopes are that people will kind of get the idea of like, well, if I comment more, give more feedback, then uh, perhaps I'll win something next time. And it won't be all the time because you obviously can't give away everything for free. Yeah, no, I I think it's awesome. And also, I think when you start to do surveys like that, you're just getting your customer base more involved in your business and they feel like they're a part of it. Right. It's It kind of comes off a little manipulative, right? Because they didn't know they were going to win. But, you know, they continue to comment now because there's that hope. I also wanted to ask you about how you gave it away. You did like this, uh, this spin the wheel thing. Like what, what, what did you do to set that up? Quite honestly, I just Googled like a, like giveaway wheel. And then I just clicked on the first one that popped up and it's, um, a really cool feature. You just kind of type in the names. I could put my logo in the wheel and, uh, you know, you just enter the names of the people 
and then you click spin and it picks it out for you randomly. Yeah, it was kind of fun because you could do it through a video. Did you do that through a Facebook Live on your page? I've done it through, yeah, I've done it through Facebook Lives. I know people that pre-record, but I also want to be honest and forthcoming with it. So going live, I think, is the easiest way to do it. And I've had mishaps with it where, you know, people have won twice or, you know, other fellow bakers who wanted to support me have won the contest. (laughs) So, but I think it's fair to do it live. It is fun. I mean, if, yeah, if somebody goes onto your Facebook page and they see that, it's just like, it's just a fun way of doing it because you're literally talking to your audience and then you click the wheel and it spins and, and you select someone right there on the spot. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. And I did notice, speaking of Facebook, that you post every single day on Facebook. I do. <laughs> I usually try to post twice a day, but like it early in the morning and then at night. So you're kind of hitting your audience, you know, from different times of the day. Some people are morning people, others are not. And so I think it helps with engagement. It's it's a tricky thing, that algorithm. Is that something that you like looked up or tried to learn about or tried to optimize? I mean, wh- how did you get started doing this or, or know that that's something that you should be doing? Well, when I figured out that like, you know, I'm posting and no one's liking it and no one's seeing it and yet people are ordering like, so what's going on? And so I kind of learned a little bit more about, you know, sponsoring a post or boosting a post. Um, and that, of course, costs money. And then I kind of, you know, would go on YouTube and, and watch videos about how to increase engagement. And so I learned a lot through that. And posting twice a day was like one of the big takeaways, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, some people say don't do it. And then I've read elsewhere that that's what you need to do. And for me, posting minimum of once a day has proven to be very helpful to me um, in terms of getting engagement. And, you know, sometimes I just want to share what I'm doing. I cross post between my Instagram and my Facebook account. I've learned that, you know, people, people are nosy and rightfully so. Um, Like, you know, I want to know what people are doing, you know, behind the scenes. So I like to share kind of, you know, what I'm doing in the kitchen Uh, what I'm baking or what I'm finding to be challenging. And so I think my customers enjoy that too. Yeah, you do a really good job of sharing your journey on your Facebook uh, account. And I I mean, some of the posts are just pretty simple, like a picture, but then you do some really lengthy posts where you're really talking about what's going through your head. And I can imagine that your customer base probably loves, loves following that. Yeah, I think because they see the person behind the cookie, it's not, I don't want to always hard sell people. I kind of just have this mentality of like build it and they will come. And that's kind of what's happened. And so I kind of am in between like a rock and a hard place because I do, I'm at the point now where I do need to increase my prices, like as we were talking about before, but at the same time, consistency is also key. So there will be some changes, you know, in the new year with pricing, but I think It's more about making that connection, like no like and trust versus constantly trying to, you know, convince people to buy. Well, it's interesting because you've been so focused on building that relationship and now you're developing these raving fans. I actually think when you go to move, when you go to increase your prices, 
a lot of people will say it's about time. You know, you might find that there's no resistance whatsoever. Right. That's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's a good idea to post every day on Facebook. It's a, it's a nice idea. It's not always easy to do. So uh, did you find it difficult to come up with something to post every single day? In the beginning, yes. And even on Instagram as well, um, because I, I've kind of garnered customers through both platforms. It's very difficult for me because I'm typically very shy and introverted. Although like a talker, I just like to keep to myself. And so posting about my life or certain things that have changed uh, was very difficult in the beginning, but you just find things. You just have to realize not you're not for everyone. Your cookies are not for everyone, but there are people out there that will enjoy it. And so the more I just started to share and find things, you know, from the mundane, you know, from doing dishes to like something more critical happening in my life, I share that and people seem to like that. They relate to it. Okay. I love talking to a fellow introvert because I also found it very difficult to start to take ownership of my business, start to put myself out there. And, um, how did you know that that's something that you should do or, um, you know, like it, I think it's really hard for us introverts to put our face <laughs> on our business in a sense, because you might just want to be behind the scenes in the kitchen, just pushing out the cookies. Uh, but how did you even get to the point of knowing that you needed to take ownership of your business and put your face out there? Um, I kind of was like starting to get uninspired. Uh, recently, like not, I would say like in towards the end of 2019, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know. And my husband was like, you have to, you have to show them who you are. And, you know, if you look around at other bakers accounts and stuff, you'll see that like people go live and they show their face. I'm like, I don't want to show my face. I want to show my cookies, but I really just kind of had to bite the bullet and do it. And it's something I'm still working on in terms of being comfortable with. But, you know, I, I recently changed my profile picture to like me holding a tray of cookies, you know, it's trying to kind of like brand it more. And I think that has helped because people see who's behind it. So they get to know me better, um, but also know my cookies and what I bake. Yeah, I, I think it'll definitely help and it gets easier over time. It has gotten easier. I agree. It's not my first thing on my list that I love doing, but yeah, it's not your favorite thing, but it is, I, I, I think it's, it's funny because you said that the pandemic really pushed your business forward, but it sounds like there are other things that you started to figure out right about the beginning of this year that have also contributed to your uh, momentum. Yes, like uh, ways I post, um, creating like certain Facebook events for a particular pop-up sale, you know, just how I would market, I guess you would say, my cookies and that sort of thing. I noticed another marketing tool that you have is your monthly calendar. And um, this is like showing how booked you are when you have availability. When did you start to do that calendar? Probably in April, March or April, I was kind of like up to my eyeballs with orders and I'm like, well, what do I do? And so I kind of created a system that would have to balance my orders with, you know, my time. And so I just would write down like, you know, if I'm, I'm booked at this many orders. 
And once that happens, I would just write that on the calendar. I do it through, like, I'll download a calendar off of Google and then I just kind of fill it out and then I save it and then upload it to my website and then my Facebook page. Yeah, I should have clarified that these calendar images are like pretty nicely designed, right? They look they look really good. And I think that it adds an element of scarcity because people can see, oh, wow, she's getting booked up. I need to order now. Right. It, it, yeah, it kind of does that, especially um, something I recently did to kind of catapult my sales and get people kind of introduce my, my customers to other cookies I make and provide variety as my monthly boxes. And so I kind of include that on the calendar as well. Okay. Can you describe what your monthly boxes are? Sure. So my monthly box will have like a crassy sampler and that's a sampler of one dozen cookie sandwiches. Um, so I choose everything that goes into the monthly box. So I pick out the sampler what I want. And then I'll add in like four to six drop cookies off my menu. And then I do kind of like some sugar cookies that I find are fun. I kind of go the theme. So like August was like endless summer. And I picked out some great cookie sandwiches that are summer flavored and kid friendly. And then I did some sugar cookies, like a beach ball and a popsicle. And uh, for September, it's kind of like apple themed and so my sampler will include the new apple crumble cookie and my Cinnaboom cookie sandwich, which is like um, a snickerdoodle meets uh, vanilla buttercream. And my choco fudge brownie is in there as well. And then my Crass Fetty, which is my version of a Funfetti. So the flavors will rotate every month. And I found this monthly box thing to kind of be a really great heavy hitter with customers. Um, a lot of people order them. So I have to prepare ahead of time and do a lot of planning. And that's kind of where I profit the most, I think. So the monthly box, depending on what cookie sandwiches go into the sampler and what kind of other cookies are included, the monthly box could be $30, it could be $50, but it really depends on what's included. Some boxes are smaller than others. So like this month's box is probably going to be around $50. I haven't quite priced it yet for September, but there's always one full crassy sampler in there, which is typically around $25 per dozen. And have you noticed that like at the end of the month, when people aren't going to be able to get this monthly box anymore, do the sales go up? Well, I would say what I typically do is at the very end of the month to the first week of the month, I open the sale for a week. So like this is the monthly box. This is what's available in it. This is the how the sales will be open for a week. It'll close on this date. And then towards the end of that week, people are like scrambling to make their get their order in. So yeah, in the beginning of the sale, it's a little slow. I'll get a couple here and there. And then by the end of the week, I've got a list of customers. And then pickup for the boxes are usually in the middle of the month, like the 13th or the 14th. Okay, so this is cool. You're doing a launch basically for these monthly boxes. So you're opening up the launch window of a week and then you're closing it and doing a hard deadline. How are you communicating with people about the monthly box? Um, through my website, through my Facebook page, through stories on Instagram and Facebook stories as well. 
I just let them know ahead of time, this is what's going to be in it. So I'll make a quick batch. Like I know it's going in the Crassy sampler. So I have cookies on hand that I put in the dozen and then I like set up like a, a picture of it. So like I show them visually what's going to be in the box. And I found that to be very successful versus just saying, hey, X, Y, and Z is gonna be in this box. People have a visual of what to look forward to. And so that's helped. And then I, I just promote it. And then people, you know, order through Facebook or they order right through my Square website. And also it's uh, nice because you're getting all the orders at the same time. And then you know exactly how many to make to fulfill them all. That's exactly. And so I, I didn't want to do it for a while. It's like, that's a lot of work. And it is, it's a lot of work, but I found that this, you know, yes, my prices are low, but when you bake at such a large quantity, I could, you know, if no one bought anything the whole month, but the monthly boxes did really well, I'm kind of set. Yeah, I could definitely see how these monthly boxes could work really well. Um, Do you use email to communicate with customers? I do. In the beginning, I tried like a newsletter and it's, those were not very successful for me. I was consistent with it. It just didn't quite, I didn't get the feedback that I was looking for from doing newsletters. Occasionally I'll send one out. I wonder if you just use the email to just do the monthly box. I wonder if that would be more uh, successful than, than trying to do Facebook. Cause like not everybody's going to see the Facebook post, right? Yes and no. I also, I post in our community Facebook page every Monday. Um, They do kind of like a Merchant Monday. And so I'll post in that and advertise the monthly box. So that seems to work as well. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. You're, you're using the community page. You also said that at the beginning of the year, you were uh, focusing in on Facebook groups. How did you kind of focus on those? I just, I joined like local groups that were around my area. So there's one for my immediate neighborhood and then there's one for the town in which we live and then the county. So I joined all of those and I just started um, advertising in there and kind of getting to know, you know, and I'll see like people post like looking for someone to do these cookies or looking for someone who can make a cake for this. And so it's interesting because you can see what people are looking for and what they expect to pay and So it makes it interesting to see what people like or dislike. I think of the Facebook groups could be a little tricky because like if you just jump in and you start promoting right off the get go, that can be a little off putting. Like, did you did you contribute for a while or just jump in and listen and become a part of the community before promoting your stuff? I did. I did. I we moved here um, in the early fall of 2018 and, or 2019, excuse me. And so I started to kind of get to know my neighbors. I started to get to know the people. And then when I decided to pick up the pace uh, with my business, then I started to kind of advertise very slowly. But uh, most of my business comes through Facebook and it comes through word of mouth. So you've got the the Facebook groups, you've got this community page that you post on, and you have your your Facebook page that you've been posting every single day, and that's been successful. And then your Instagram account. 
Are there any other local venues that you've used to, or online venues that you've used to increase awareness about your business? Um, I have done craft fairs before um, and outdoor art festivals, and those were fun. Those were very successful as well. How did you plan how many cookies to make for those? I didn't. <laughs> the first the first craft fair I did, I just kind of was like, okay, there's going to be a bunch of people, so I'm going to make a bunch of cookies. And it was the first one I had ever done, and it actually proved to be very successful. We didn't have many extra cookies left. But now knowing how much to make versus how much can I handle making is kind of what I go off of. It's, you know, so if it's estimated that several hundred people will be there. I'll probably pick a selection off my menu and then just do like a batch or two of each. It's one of the harder things about events, right? Because I think cookies in particular have a very short shelf life, unless you're putting stabilizers into your cookies, which I assume you're probably not. And you were talking earlier about how, oh, I might just have some cookies on hand to <laughs> to put together this little uh, box to show people what they're going to get. And or I'll just throw in an extra cookie here or there. But I mean, like, do you do you freeze your cookies? Like, what are you doing for shelf life with these cookies? So I make everything made to order. So there really is no shelf life. The cookies I save to set up the monthly box, they're frozen and they're not for consumption. They're on hand in a Tupperware container simply to put in the dozen container to just give a visual. So, but in terms of shelf life, I make, everything is made to order. Everything is made fresh. And so that's usually how I handle it. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because you're doing a lot of custom orders, so you don't have to worry about shelf life as much in that case. And I think that you kind of have to do a cookie business that way, right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, freshness and quality control is very important to me. And I think it's easier because, you know, if I were to just bake everything ahead of time, then you're left hoping that people will just order the stuff. And that's not usually how it goes. You said earlier that you, you've gotten better at making your cookies taste better uh, than they were at the beginning, and you don't need to talk about your secret sauce, but like, what was the process like for you trying to figure out how to make them taste better? Was it just um, over the course of making so many cookies that you just started to tweak things and think, oh, that's better, or did you actually go through like, like a scientific process to uh, improve your cookies? A little bit of both, actually. Um, I've pinpointed like really great vanilla. I use some of my extracts I make on my own and they're mine, but um, I exclusively use like Rodel vanilla is a great one. I, I think vanilla can really make or break anything you bake. So I just make sure those are high quality vanilla included. But um, like, for example, my Cinnaboom cookie sandwich it's like you want that taste and texture of a snickerdoodle, but I have to make it fit the size and shape of my cookie sandwiches so that I have some sort of, you know, uniform appearance. And so that was very challenging. And so that was like a concoction of, you know, how much baking soda with cream of tartar to measure out. And that was definitely trial and error. 
I also wanted to ask you about packaging and, you know, you have nice packaging from what I see on your website. Um, how did your packaging change over time? What did you start with and what do you have now? So I started with um, like typical bakery boxes and I would separate the cookie sandwiches with like uh, cupcake holders, like, you know, the, the cute ones, the, the attractive like muffin tin holders. And I realized that wasn't separating the flavors enough and it wasn't the best, neatest, uh, most protective packaging I could find. And so then we were like, well, let's just use cupcake boxes, plastic cupcake holders. And I was like thinking that that might be a good idea. However, my cookies are not small enough to be the size of a mini cupcake, but they're not big enough to be the size of a standard cupcake. They're kind of in between. So finding packaging, cupcake packaging, that could fit that was challenging, but we've, we found it. So we just buy that in large quantity. Where do you buy that? Recently, we've purchased from plasticcontainercity.com. And where were you buying the bakery boxes when you were just getting started? Oh gosh, like Walmart and Michael's and Amazon. And I'm like, I'm paying way too much for these. And knowing what you know now, if you had to go back in time, would you have purchased them at Walmart and Michael's or where would you have purchased them? I would probably look for something more wholesale, of course. Uh, I didn't realize how much money was going out on packaging, but packaging can be very expensive. So, you know, you, you packaging wise, you do these monthly boxes, the, the Crassy samplers, you've got your Crassy Colossal package, and I, I have to ask you about your business name, the Crassy Cookie. Where does this word Crassy come from? You know, we I didn't really think too much about it. We were, uh, this is like right at the time before I started the Crassy Cookie, and we're just driving around and, you know, we're like, what would I call it? And I always thought like, you know, with my sense of humor and such, it was like, oh, you're so crass. And then... <laughs> So there's that. And then I just was like, you know, I want to do something different and unique that no one else does, but I want it to be simple and classy and have elegance. And so I kind of just, it just came out of my mouth and I'm like, sounds good to me. And that's kind of how it came about. Well, you certainly haven't come across crass in the, in this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, (laughs) but yeah, I get it. It's kind of classy, but with a twist. Um, so I know that business has picked up a lot this year. What are your visions or ex- hopes for the future? I would like to expand. I actually, I'm not interested in shipping. Tons of my family and friends from out of state have asked, you know, well, when are you going to ship? And I'm not. I, it's a lot of money to ship buttercream cookie sandwiches. And it's just a lot of liability. But um, what I love a storefront Yes, we are also trying to start a family soon. So it's balancing that. So right now I'm comfortable working as a cottage food business, but I would love to expand one day. Yeah, you had mentioned to me like the Crassy Cookie Shop. What's your vision for that? You know, I I would love to have cookie sandwiches and I'd love to have drop cookies and just kind of, sell people on it. I think 
It's a very unique product. No one else I know of is doing something like it. So I think that's where I find the fulfillment is seeing people, you know, try them and like them. It's, you know, it's kind of like if I can win them over that these, they're, they're not your average cookie. It's definitely a dessert. They're very decadent. They're not for everyone. They're very sugary. So I think that's where I find the joy in it. So if I could imagine, you know, even a very small storefront. Well, thanks so much for uh, jumping on here. Was there any other advice that you can think of giving someone who's just starting out with, uh, with the cookie business or with any cottage food business? I would definitely say do all the math first and do it as you go um, so you can track how much you're spending and how much you're making and profiting off of your cookies. And I would say, like, don't be afraid to try something completely out of the ordinary that's different. Yeah. And if you do try something out of the ordinary, just throw it as a sample into somebody's existing order and then they can uh, <laughs> they can realize how Figure good it out. is and then they can order more. Um, well, thanks so much, Mallory, for coming on the show. How can people find you and reach out? Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the crassy cookie on Instagram at the crassy cookie. And the website is the Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great. Great. Thank you for having me. That wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. It was great to hear how Mallory has turned her cookie business into a success, and I particularly enjoyed hearing about some of her creative marketing ideas like her monthly cookie boxes and the social media giveaways. Be sure to head on over to her website to see all of the flavors of her unique gourmet cookie sandwiches. If you are thinking about starting a cookie or cottage food business, head on over to forger.com to check out your state's cottage food law. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 18. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.